Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We podcast a Bible class every Sunday morning. For all of those who would like to get into God's Word, they want to learn more about the Scriptures and thereby about God and Christ and Christianity, about the church that Jesus established on this earth. But they cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ as we come together for Sunday morning Bible classes right here in Omaha. Now, some people even in this area cannot be with us in person due to health reasons or physical incapacities or maybe schedules of some kind that that impede upon their ability to be able to be with us at those prescribed times that we come together as the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. But there are also people in other parts of the country and literally around the world who listen to our podcasts. They want to learn more about God's Word. They want to be strengthened and encouraged in the Scriptures. They want to know what God wants them to do with their life. But because of where they live, they obviously cannot be with us here in person. So we're thankful to have the ability, the opportunity, and the means to be able to teach God's Word on such a wide, through such a, on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. Now, we encourage you, if you are in the Omaha area, come and see us in person. Check us out. Study God's Word with us. Worship God with us. Get to know us and let us get to know you. Bible classes begin at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evenings, we come back together at 6 o'clock for another period of worship and Bible study. And Wednesday evenings, 6.30, each Wednesday evening, midweek Bible classes for all those who can be with us, and we do study the Bible. Now, our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. You may help somebody grow in their faith, come closer to God, maybe even get to heaven. We encourage you to also tell everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. And when somebody does that, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their smartphone or computer or whatever device they choose, they will receive our Sunday morning Bible class, Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, a Monday through Friday daily radio program called Search the Scriptures, and a short Bible class that we call today's Bible class, usually only about 13, 14 minutes, but it's every single day, seven days a week, keeping us in God's word. And since faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17, that is important to us to continue to be in God's word. So you can automatically receive all of these studies, all of this Bible teaching material. And you can also do that by going to our YouTube page, Sunny Slope Church of Christ, Sunny Slope Church of Christ, and everything will be posted there as well. So take advantage and tell everybody you can to do so as well. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Ruth. We have finished the book of Judges, and right after the book of Judges comes the book of Ruth. And so we're going to get back into that. Now, this is a very short book, and and uh, we can, you know, I think a lot of people look at the book of Ruth and they think of it as, well, a, a love story. But it's a love story 
if you want to think of it from that perspective, that is reflected by faithfulness to God. When we looked at the first chapter, we saw this particular family. And, and so it talks about during, uh, in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Now, the judges, so we go back to the book of Judges. Now, remember, as I've said, there was no king in Israel, over all Israel, for hundreds and hundreds of years. That would not happen, would not come to pass until God told Samuel to anoint Saul to be the first, full, the first king over all of Israel. And he would reign for 40 years. <clears throat> and then God would pass the the throne, so to speak, onto David, and then there would be a, a long succession over hundreds of years of, of kings to rule over Israel and ultimately over parts of Israel. But the book of Ruth takes place during the period of the judges, and God raised up particular judges in different parts of Israel to deliver the people, <clears throat> excuse me, to deliver the people from oppressors, other nations who would come to battle against the Israelites, defeat them in battle, and, and put them under subjection. Now, but the judges would, would rule again in different parts of the country at times, it would seem, and they would, you know, God would raise up new judges as, as the years went on. Excuse me, got a little frog in my throat there. Okay, now, the book of Ruth is set during that period of time in the Judges. In verse 2 of chapter 1, it, it, it identifies a man named Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And then they had two sons, Malon and Chilion. And um, they, they, went to, uh, they went to Moab because of a famine that was, was really causing problems within the land of Israel. And while they're in Moab, the two boys married two Moabite women. And one of those was Ruth. Now, as time went on, Naomi's husband, the father of, of the two sons, he died. And then, one by one, the two sons died. So Naomi was a widow, and now both of her daughters-in-law were also widows. Under the custom and of, of the, the uh, culture of that day in that part of the world, when a husband would die, his brother would have the right to marry his widow and raise their first son under the name of the dead husband. Now, that was not going to happen in this case because, again, Naomi's husband was dead. Both of her sons were dead. So this left three widows. And as I pointed out, as we entered this particular study last time, uh, their culture was far different in regards to widows than our culture is today in our nation. A, a widow was up against it to a great extent. 
We don't, you know, we don't, they did not have all the social programs and all of the safety nets that, you know, government has built into our cultural system here, our governmental system here to try to take care of, of widows who are on their own, single women who have, you know, lost their husbands and so on. And so widows were really up against it. They really had to fend for themselves to a great extent. There were some provisions under the law of Moses to help them with food, but we're not talking about anything like what is available in our country for widows and people who are down and out, truly down and out today. We don't see that to anything like that degree back then. Uh, And so ultimately, Naomi makes the decision because, again, they're living in Moab. They've left Israel she and her husband and, and the two sons, they've left Israel, gone to Moab because of the famine that was in Israel at that time. And in Moab, the two sons marry these two Moabite women. Now, I think, obviously, Naomi loved her daughters-in-law, and her daughters-in-law loved Naomi. But Naomi, ultimately, again, remember, widows really were against it when it came to just taking care of themselves you know, in that particular part of the world and the culture of that day. And so Naomi ultimately makes, ultimately makes the decision to go back home, basically, to go back to Israel. So she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. So the famine is over back in Israel. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. So Naomi tells her two daughters-in-law, you need to go back to your father's house. You need to go back home. Um, I'm going back to Judah. I'm going back to Israel, going back to my people. And then, you know, she said, the Lord grant that that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. Well, so going back, to their basic countrymen and family backgrounds. And Naomi's going back basically to hers, going back to Israel. And, and so she kissed them, they lifted up their voices, they wept, and they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. And so they're, they're both, both of their daughters-in-law are saying, no, no, we're gonna stay with you, we're gonna go back to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? And so she's saying, I'm I'm not going to bear any more sons. Why would you follow me? Well, there's obviously a foundation of love between the daughters-in-law and Naomi, but she's trying to get across to them, you need to go back home now. Now, so one of the daughters-in-law does even though she expressed her, her willingness and even perhaps desire to go on with Naomi back to her people in Judah. But the other daughter-in-law, and that's Ruth, 
says, no, no. Uh, and, and here's one of the great, great texts that has been repeated over and over again through the generations. She, she, tells, she tells Ruth, as she tells Naomi, her mother-in-law, Ruth says, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. I suspect this has been said repeated as a marriage vow between a man and a woman going through the marriage ceremony probably countless times, <laughs> countless times. What great words, what meaningful words. That Ruth is saying to Naomi, no, I'm committed to stay with you. I'm committed to be with you. And she probably looked at her as basically her mother by this time. And so she, she's expressing her love. Wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people, they'll be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. She's, she's, she's voicing that depth of commitment to, to Naomi. So we pick up with chapter 2. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she, she said to her, go, my daughter. Well, this was one of the provisions under the law of Moses that as fields were being harvested, that certain features of the harvest would be left behind for the poor to come in and pick up what was, what was left. The corners of the fields would be left unharvested. As the men working in the fields would go along and they would be picking up the stalks, cutting them down, whatever would fall on the ground, they were to leave for the poor. And so the poor could come behind them and pick it up and that would serve as food for them. So Ruth tells Naomi, let me go to the fields and, and, and start gathering some of the produce that's left for us so we can have food. And um, Naomi says, go, my daughter. In verse 3, then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. So Boaz was related to Naomi's dead husband. And so Ruth now, and we could, someone could say, well, accidentally, by chance, or maybe it was by God's providence, she makes contact with Boaz. She's gleaning now some of the leftover produce or harvest in his field. Then Boaz said to his servant who is in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it is the young Moabite, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Oh, interesting. Now you can see the wheels start to turn in the head of Boaz. She said, 
she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and continued from morning until now, though she rested a little while in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close in my, uh, by my young women. So he's saying, he's, he's, he's kind of taken her under something of his wing here, and he's going to take some special care for her, of her give her some personal attention. He says, you stay in my fields. And, and the message is coming across, I think, or at least he's trying to get it across. I'm going to take care of you. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. And so you're, you're going to have water to drink. The men are, are going to leave you alone. And, and so you're going, you just stay here and, and glean out of my fields. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. Again, she was a Moabitess, and he was an Israelite. And she's wondering, why, why are you showing me this kind of favor? I'm, I'm not even from your land. And Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law, for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and now you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. And so Boaz is impressed with the dedication and love that, that, that he has learned that Ruth has or had for Naomi, who was one of his countrymen and related to him by marriage, her husband being related or of the same family, as Boaz. And so Boaz is saying, I've heard how dedicated you have been, how you have taken care of, worked to take care of your mother-in-law. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. And now Boaz is really kind of preaching God to her. In Moab, in Moab, they did not believe in God. They worshiped idols. Now, they might have had some surface-level belief in God, but they basically worshiped idols. But now Boaz is kind of teaching her about God when he says, uh, you know, may the Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. And Boaz is seeing himself basically as a servant of God in helping Ruth and through Ruth, Naomi. Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed par he passed parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied and kept and, and, and kept some back. And when she rose and when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even from the sheaves, and do not reproach her. In other words, 
even let her glean even from what you have not yet harvested. And, and don't stop her. Don't stop her. Don't order her to stop. In verse 16, also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. And so Boaz is really, he's going behind the scenes talking to his reapers, those who are working for him, and telling them, you, you, give, you let some extra go her way and don't say anything about it. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law, in other words, Naomi, or rather Ruth, did not eat all of what was offered to her uh, at mealtime, and she kept some of that back to bring to her mother-in-law as well. And her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness in the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by, close by my young men until they have finished all the harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good my daughter, that you go out with the young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. In other words, go right back to Boaz's field, work with his workers. So she stayed close by the young woman, by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. God was taking care of Let's break it down to the bottom line here. God was taking care of Naomi through Ruth, who was being taken care of by Boaz. Boaz was a relation of Naomi. And Boaz was showing favor to Ruth, harvesting or picking up at least some of the leftover harvest in his field. And in that way, he was taking care of Naomi his relation by marriage. In fact, Naomi says he is a close relative of ours. I hope you can see God's providence at work in this particular story. Love story, as it ultimately plays out, yeah, I think, yeah, I think we can say that. But also a story of God's providence. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things, Jesus has just been talking about the necessities of life. Here, basic necessity of life, food. Boaz is taking care of his kinsman, so to speak, Naomi, through Ruth. But why? Because that was God's law.
Well, God's providence, God's providence. And ultimately, the story would go on and become that love story that so many people think of it as, as being the book of, in the book of Ruth. Let's, let's pray. We'll pick up with chapter 3 next time. Father in heaven, thank you for such wonderful accounts of Scripture, such great examples, such wonderful lessons from your will to us, laid out to us in your word. Help us to embrace those lessons and to put them into practice effectively in our lives, Father, and thereby to glorify you through our dedication to you, through your word. Help us, Father, we pray, and help us to be great examples to people all around us. Please be merciful. Please, Father, we pray. Please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.